chapter 1. No, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And you can also find Hebrews 5. Just put a marker there. We'll get to there eventually. Hebrews, I mean Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Do you have it? Yes. Amen. If you don't, say wait. Normally we have it on the screen. But uh, not today. And now with these new um, dumb phones, you can just push in the scripture. It comes to, I mean, smartphones. And it reads here, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us, speak to our hearts, jump into our minds, get past our, our logic and get to your truths. Help us to, to understand what you have for us and how you want us to grow and do many things for your honor and for your glory. I ask, Lord, that you'd move in the hearts of lives here, touch many, move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Years ago, there was a movie. I was a kid. And they had a famous actor. You might have heard of this guy. He was an actor. His name was Ronald Reagan. Now, some of you guys know him as a president, but before he was a president, he was an actor. Great, a good actor. And he did a, a movie, and the title was Win One for the Gipper. Now, us, us older individuals, more mature, will know that. You younger guys, younger ladies, well, you've, you've missed out on a lot of things. Amen? Well, that's what I got. To, I, I, I stole the title. Instead of Win One for the Gipper, the title of my message is Wean one for the gipper. Wean one for the gipper. Now, I've often had people come up to me and they want to discuss a very profound topic, hearing the voice of God. Everybody wants to hear God, hear the voice of God. And it's a, a very sought out uh, after experience. They, they just want to know. People are always looking for something from the Lord. I, I imagine we're a group of people in this room right now looking for something from the Lord. A sign, a wonder. <clears throat> and we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus obliged the people while he was on earth because he performed many signs and wonders. He went on to, to prove who he was. Miracles that, that, that qualified that he was indeed the son of God. In 1 Corinthians here in the opening scripture, uh, um, I guess before I read that again, do people, the question is open-ended, not for an answer right now, but do people actually hear God's voice? He says there, and he's talking to the Corinthian church, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. 
So basically, if you boil it down, and, and there are two types of or two classes of Christians based on this. And, and we all have to be honest with our, ourselves and decide which class we're in. You know, if you go to school, you go to a certain class, right? So basically, you're either spiritual or worldly. Worldly, and he describes here in this opening scripture, he said, infants, mere men or women, mere men, mere, mere women. And in verse 2, he says, I gave, I, I gave you milk, in, that's in regards to being infant, not solid food, because you're not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. So how do you know what class you're in? Well, every one of us should remember, or most of us, if you haven't gotten there yet, that first day in high school. You ever remember that first day in high school? I remember James Logan, my high school alma mater. I walked in there and I had this schedule. I did not know where to go. You know, that, that feeling like, oh, my God, room 122 and, 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 and sections A. And like, oh, man. And you're walking around like all dumbfounded, not knowing where to go. Is that just me, right? Because you're, you're new. And that's often how it is when people first come to the Lord. You know, you had to find your way. And in, for, in verse 3, it says, you're still worldly. Now, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to Christians. He goes, you're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So I want to talk about worldly high. Not getting high in the world. Worldly high school. Hello, somebody. See, in this high school, first period is jealousy. Second period is quarreling. See, and when you go to worldly high school, many receive the diploma of acting like mere men or women. See, we're not called to act like mere people. See, this happens in school and church because the students can't behave. You ever been in a classroom where the students can't behave? Uh, or, or worse, I was one of these students because I thought I, when I was in high school, I was pretty bright. You know, I had a knack for trig and calculus. I was a pretty smart cat. And I, and I would look at all these teachers and I would challenge them because I thought I was smarter than them. You ever meet somebody like that? You, you, you find a student who claimed they were smarter than the instructor. Right? And, and they may. The person have, maybe have had the right intention, but they had the wrong timing. The reason they may have had a lot of smarts, but one thing they forgot, they hadn't graduated yet. That's very important. So... If I get my degree in counseling, which I didn't, but if I had gotten a degree in counseling, does that also entitle me a degree in business? Well, of course not. You, you, you learn and you, you, you're, you're, you're disciplined and you get that degree. You don't, because you get a degree in one doesn't mean you, you're good from all, all other things. Oh, of course not. And every church has a, a different major, right? See, my goal is to make you proficient enough to teach our subject, huh? what we're talking about. Huh? But, say but, you need to have some core requirements. You just can't expect to teach. I want to teach. I want to teach. I'm, I, I, you know, I got saved a year ago and I read the Bible ten times and I want to teach. Well, that's good. You read a lot. That's great. But you need some core requirements. Amen? See, 
Your previous training in this school is non-transferable. Hello, someone. See, a lot of people come into church, and I say it like this, with the study of milkology. Hello, someone. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about leche, milkology. They come in there, and they, they got all the milk down. Milk, milk, milk. They've been reading and studying the Word of God so much, and they love it, and they get into it. And when they're done, they put, put it away, and they go sit down in front of their 72-inch TV and, and look at Benny Hinn blowing people. Milkology. Let me continue. Hebrews, the Hebrew writer, he writes in chapter 5, and he's talking about a different group of people, not the same people, a different group of people, different church, different uh, uh, believers, and he goes, in fact, verse 5, verse 12, Hebrews 5, 12, in fact, though by this time you ought to be cheat teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. See, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But see, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use, how much use? Not once a week use, not twice a week use, who by constant use, I don't know, I, I, you, you can't define constant, but constant means what? Constant. Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. See, if we're going to train ourselves, it, ha it can't be a momentary thing, a seasonal thing, something that your, your emotion draws you to it. No, this has to be a complete radical lifestyle change, a constant use of solid food. Most people don't like constant use of solid food, so they come in, and oftentimes the pre preacher has to continually bring out the spiritual bottle, the info meal, Shake it up. Make sure it's the right temperature because if it's too hot, it might burn my tongue. Ouch. They get the tetera. Uh, for you, this is the, the, the translation is the bottle. They get the tetera and they pull, open your mouth. And then you can imagine in the spirit, the preacher up here like me with a bunch of cords with, connected to bottles in everybody's mouth. <laughs> this homeboy don't play that. Why? Because I need teachers. Not infants. I need teachers who are constantly trained, have constantly trained who? Not other people, themselves. That's what we're trying to strive for here. Right? Say, say amen. amen. So if you have a BS in milkology, now I was going to say milkology. B.S., but I won't say that. If you have a B.S. in milkology, that, mean, that means Bachelor of Science, in case you're, you... Okay. So the credentials of a B.S. in milkology is commitment is not needed. Accountability is considered rude. Humility is unfair at best, even degrading for some. Loyalty... Ooh, not in milkology. Loyalty asks too much and makes me uncomfortable when you say I have to be loyal. Oh. Well, see that? You have a BS in milkology. Milkologists want to teach. 
They want to teach, though, because they've been around. They read the Bible. They know who James, John, Peter, and Paul are. Or should I say John, Paul, Ringo, and John, but that's another people. They know all that, and they want to teach, but they have, they've only received their BS in milkology. Hmm? See, they want to teach with lousy credentials. See, people who should teach should be the ones who understand commitment, accountability, humility, loyalty. And they've been training themselves constantly. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, Peter experienced the same thing that Paul did in a completely different part of the country. And he says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Look at this. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now, there's a difference. See, some people get some, some that info meal, which is not the real deal. We need pure spiritual milk. Why? Because eventually, if you have pure spiritual milk, eventually you'll grow and your body will reject that. It'll need solid food. See, you can't live on pure spiritual milk your entire Christian walk. You got to grow up. You got to start eating some solid food. But see, people are, haven't been fed pure spiritual milk. Christianity is full of infamil, artificial milk. Let me go back here. The emphasis is on the word like. Like. Huh? We have to have our period of milk, but eventually it's time to let it go. I'm, my, my, I used to love, I say this facetiously, but I did. I used to love bottle breaking my kids. Right, Derry? My, my wife goes, I love it. Let me do it. I have fun. Why? Because it just, I just would see God. Watch this. I got my first, my first um, Albert. I remember I did him. He was a good one. Come here, boy. Bring your bottle. I go, come on, come on. He brought his bottle. I'd walk him to the garbage can. I'd open the garbage. I'd go, open the garbage can. He'd open. He didn't know. He'd go, okay. Open the garbage can. I go, now throw the bottle in there. I go, no, no. Al, you need to throw the bottle in the garbage can. No more bottle. It's time. No, no more bottle. It's over. Ya se acabo. No more. Throw it away. But I don't want to throw it. Okay, look. Throw it away. I'm going to have to whoop you. You're going to throw that away. No more bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and you throw it away. You got any more bottles? Where are they at? Go get them. Go get all your bottles. We're throwing them away. And I would throw them away. Huh? Well, why I knew? Because I got a bottle break that kid. Because I know, I, now I don't want to offend anybody, because I know some, some families, they, they feed their bottle to their kids till like 15. <laughs> you know, I was like, whoa, man. That, guy, that kid should have been bottle broke a long time ago. See, if you, don't, if you don't bottle break them young, they're going to turn, take that bottle and have another bottle. Well, that's a different message. Let me get back here. So you need to move to the next level. That's my point. Some of you need to throw the bottle away. Oh, man. Huh? First Peter, let's keep reading there, two verses five. He goes, as you came to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built. Say, I'm being built. 
into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable through Jesus Christ. See, we have to, we're being built. And if we're being built, that means it's an ongoing process. We can't be the same. We can't keep teaching the same. We can't keep doing the same. You're, if we're doing the same forever, then that means the, the, gospel, the, the gospel is boring. Because if you can just do the same, there's no need to change. Right? So our master's degree, hello somebody. So that's what I want. I want to get a master's degree. Not some BS in milkyology. See, our master's degree consists of holiness, a holiness that loves God. Or, and then Peter says a holy priesthood. That's what our master's degree takes us to. The ability to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. You just can't say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. No, no, no. You have to have your master's degree. You have to be well taught in, in solid food. Then you come to the Lord, and because you've been studying and you understand certain things, you've been through a trial too, you slap the devil around every now and then. It's time to offer a sacrifice to God. Huh? So who builds you? What's well, plain? You're a professor. I had certain professors that were great. We, um, we never agreed all the time. I, I, you know, we often debated, but they were smart people. We had good debates. Uh, but they, but, but I, I, I allowed them to, to input into me. I don't just let anybody come and input. I allow you, 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 whoever you choose is going to build you, period. Amen? So if you choose Pastor Albert, you choose his leadership. So, and a major challenge for me is I have to improve or reteach many milkologists. Because we're just a little bit different at Victory Outreach. We're not any better than anybody else. Of course not. Well, but we are different. Huh? We, go, we go to every inner city of the world. We reach gang members, drug addicts, prostitutes. 80% of our pastors and ministers have been gang members, drug addicts, or will you name it. Huh? One of our evangelists was, a, was, a, was the main mafia hitman for the Mexican mafia. And he's an evangelist. We go after some heavy-duty dudes, and that's who we like. That's what we do. We're just kind of, little, kind of like that. Amen? Yeah. Uh, so, but the thing is, you must be weaned. I said all that to get you here. So I need to deal with milk. That milk stuff doesn't fly. We need to get to solid food. Are you, are you with me? Anybody hungry? So the first thing is you need to be weaned. Check this out. Very interesting about being weaned. Among the Hebrew children, it was customary for the mother to nurse. Kids were not generally weaned until they were three to four years old. But that doesn't mean they were on the milk See, when we have a concept of wean, we think of just getting off the bottle, being weaned from the mother's breast. No, no, it's deeper. In 1 Samuel, there's a story about, about uh, Hannah, and who she didn't have no children, and she was being tur tormented by uh, the, the other wife there, Peniah, and, and they would be there, they're arguing and fighting. And in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 1, it said, But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. The husband loved her, but she couldn't have children. And the Lord closed her womb. 
And she would pray and pray and pray. And her rival kept tormenting her and tormenting her and tormenting her because I have a kid and you don't. Women can be cruel sometimes. Right? She was tormenting them. Hannah had woman troubles. She had a baby and taunted one who could not have a child. Then we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 16. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. This is Hannah speaking. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have, what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. So we know the story. She promised to give her baby to the Lord if she became pregnant. She had a child. Her husband went to the temple. She stood home. And in verse 22, it says, She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. The key is, after the boy is weaned, I'll take him to the Lord. So the implication here is that everybody must be weaned before they're of any service to the Lord. Now, let's keep reading. Well, let me say this. To wean, it comes from a word meaning gamal or jamal. It depends how you say it. And jamal has a wider meaning than just merely removing the bottle to wean. Jamal signifies to be dealt with fully. To be dealt with fully. You know, some parents have to wean their kids from the bottle, but they have not dealt with them fully. They, they still misbehave. They still don't listen. They run amok. They don't know how to be quiet. They have not been weaned. See, the weaning process encompasses all that. Hmm? Psalm 13.5 reads like this, But I have trusted in thy steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt with me. See, everybody's got to be dealt with. And see, most, see, and it's hard, and I'm going to tell you what's hard about it. Because in the American society, we're trying to build a church, and you come in, Americans, us, us, we need the comforts of America. We need, we need everything in place. And so we got, we got the pastor and the preachers and the staff have to provide everything. We make, got to make sure the video works. When it doesn't work, we have to have sound. Got all this stuff, right? Are you with me? And then how do we do it? Not by magic. Somehow, we have to touch your heart with the gospel, and you have to back our play so we can pay the bills. You see that? So what that does is pastors are afraid to deal with people. Why? They don't want to deal with you because I don't want you to get offended because so, I need to pay all this. Look, how do I, keep, how do I pay this? How do I do it? And they're, they're, they're thinking about the wrong stuff. Hmm? So they don't want to wean you. So you have churches full of milkologists, undealt with. Oh, let me keep reading. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. I'm having fun. <laughs> See, as applied to a child, Gamal covers the whole period of nursing and care until the weaning is complete. The period in ancient Israel extended three to four years. It was only complete when the child was mature enough, now this is important, to be entrusted to strangers. 
In other words, the child could go with strangers and would not be led astray. The child had some sense of understanding. They were, were trusted to go. They knew they wouldn't get tossed every to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They knew, they understood that there was commitment, loyalty. They knew who their mama and daddy was. Now, couple that with what Jesus says. He says, verily, verily, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Ah. Peter, 1 Peter 1.22 reads, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart for you have been born again. Now, the concept of born again is very strange. But what that means is that no matter what age you come in, when you come to Christ, there's a different experience that happens to you. And in effect, spiritually, you are a what? Baby. Why? Because you've been born again. Nicodemus, he was a religious folk and he was a Pharisee. He said, what does that mean? How can one be born again? That's impossible. No one can be born again. See, religion doesn't understand being a baby again. Spiritually. So if you are spiritually born again, that tells me that you have to be spiritually dealt with. Why? You have to be weaned, dealt with completely. So we bring you into newscomers class. We provide discipleship. We do all the things. We give you all the milk you need because your first two years is a growing period. It may take one, two, three, four years for you to be weaned. But the goal is to get enough into you so that you can grow. That's where the rub comes in. Because people don't like to grow. It's, a, it's ironic. It's, it really is. Because if you ask anybody, you tell them, do you want to say the same? Who says? Everybody says, no. You don't want to say the same? No. Here's the problem with that. When you ask them another question, do you like going through changes? What do they say? No. Guess what? You can't change unless you go through changes. So here I am trying to give you meat, and meat will only do one, serve one purpose. It'll put you through changes. I'm going to give you meat, you're going to go through changes. See, meat is a very interesting product. It's protein. See, and protein does something to you when you eat a lot of it. And you're, and you're working your spiritual muscles. Protein will grow your muscles. See, but if you've been in church 10 years and all you're doing is eating milk, what you do, you have no muscle mass. You have no spiritual strength. In essence, you're just like a milk blob. Who's that? Oh, that's Sister Milky. Larry Leche. Right? And so we, what we have to do is grow men and women. Hello, someone. We have to, we have to, we have to grow them up. Amen. See, the, the winning process holds true spiritually for the newborn as it does physically. In both cases, spiritual and physical, the completion of the winning period marked the end of the most critical stage of a child's life. Your first three years of your salvation are the most critical time. And if you weren't taught right, then you're troubled. Why? Because you can't, it's very difficult to straighten out a mature tree. 
So you like a tree. If you plant a tree and if it grows crooked, you can never straighten it out. The best you could do is trying to put it in order, but it's always going to have that. You ever see a tree like that? Because when it was young, somebody messed it up. They bent it. So it walks around like this. Can't straighten that tree. Well, God can. But the only way to straighten that tree is kind of like Jacob. Remember Jacob, the gyro conniver? The only way God had to straighten him out was, boom, snap his hip. Because you're going to have to wrestle with God. Let me get back here. See, traction takes time. We're on a walk. We're on a journey. Any sure step in a person walks has to begin with the weaning process. First Samuel 22, she said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, we're talking about Hannah, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. See, after the boy was weaned, after you're weaned, after you're weaned, after you're weaned, then you become of service to God. Do you know there's a fact? 95% of all Christians die never leading anyone to the Lord. That's a fact. Why? Because 95% of Christians weren't weaned when they, came, when they became a newborn babe. So I, I, want, I want men and women of God. Let me say it again. I want men and women of God that are able to do something for God. Something rugged. Hello, someone. See, after a boy is weaned, in contrast to the book of Hebrews, look, let's look at this, uh, Hebrews 5. In fact, by the time, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of the word of God all over again. You need milk, not solid food. See, the contrast. She says, after the boy is weaned, just take him to the Lord, and he will live there forever after his weaned. The other one says, you guys should be teaching already. And I can't do that. i got to take you back and give you milk. That's the contrast. They always need milk. They're arguing about the simplest things. Things that don't matter. What Bible do you use? I use the King James. Oh, you shouldn't use the King James. How were you baptized? Were you dunked? Were you spit on? I don't care how you were baptized. But they, they get into all these little other areas. Why? Those are unweaned individuals. And if they're fighting over that, that's what he says. You guys are quarreling. You're quarreling in jealousy. And we're talking about leadership. You're acting like mere men. Is God with you? No, it, it, they, they weren't winged properly. Huh? So this is what the Apostle Paul meant when he rebuked the church. Huh? You should be able to handle strange doctrines. You should, you, should, you, you should not need the comfort of, of, of men, but seek the comfort of God. You should understand when you hear the truth of God and receive it. And when you take a rebuke, you should take it. And if it cuts you, you should say, thank you. Why? Because I'm a man. I'm a woman of God who needs to be dealt with, who needs to be corrected, who has to be put straight. I don't accept anything but that. Hmm? See, the weaned child no longer cries for the breast. The child doesn't find its satisfaction solely in a person's uh, 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 comfort. No, 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 no. They're beyond that. They don't need the affections of men. They need to understand what they do is true and true to God. 
See, Isaiah 29 talks about the same thing. So this, this topic transcends uh, generations, transcends culture. It happens all the time. It happened earlier with Samuel. It happens in the church with Paul. And it happened with the, the prophet Isaiah when he says there in 28, 29, who is God trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children weaned from the milk? To those who are just taken from the breast? Who are we dealing with here? Because people don't want to listen to God. They don't want to listen to truth. They want to listen to something that makes them feel good. I want to feel good. Oh, I feel good. Think of James Brown. Mm. So this returns the message to my first statement. Hearing the voice of God. He thought I forgot. I didn't forget. See, the problem is not that God does not want to speak to a person. The problem is who is he speaking to? A unweaned child could not and cannot and should not be able to distinguish God from Tony Robbins. And they don't. That's why you have Christians accepting anything. They can't distinguish God from anybody else. A positive, we have to think positive. Who said that? The devil said that. God has us, God, God has, has us understand who we are. That our heart is desperately wicked and no man knows it. That without God we can do nothing. We're lost. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. See, those are the things that come out of the mouths of people who are eating solid food. So has God to teach you knowledge as if you were children? You should have learned long ago. He's talking to these people. So this returns the message again, hearing the voice of God. Remember, there's two classes of Christians. Worldly, infants, mere men and women, acting like men, or spiritual. See, that could be spiritual. I'm going to end it with them. I'm coming for landing. Can be summed up by the commitment, by commitment and endurance. Spiritual. Are you spiritual? No, here we go. See, commitment is absolute. When you're committed, you're committed, right? If you say, oh, I'm committed today, but tomorrow I don't like you, I'm not committed no more. That's not commitment. That's a milkologist. That's another BS in milkology. When you're committed, you're committed, period. Doesn't change, never changes. Regardless of the situation, you fight for it. You fight for that commitment you made. Jesus went to the pit of hell for his commitment. Commitment was like, like being sentenced to prison. Hello, someone. Anybody been sent to prison? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but when you're sentenced to prison, guess what? You are committed. They even say that. You have been committed to blank, 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 blank. Right? Committed. You're committed. Can't go out. Uh, see, the Apostle Paul understood commitment when he wrote, and he wrote this oftentimes in Philemon, uh, Philemon 1.9. He said this, I appeal to you on the basis of love then as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. A prisoner. Why is he a prisoner? Because he's committed. He's decided no matter what happens, I'm going to follow Jesus. No matter what took place, I'm still here. I am an old man, and I'm still a prisoner. I'm still a prisoner of Christ. I'm committed. So commitment is going to come under fire. The problem is many, many people lack the commitment, and it makes them run to, during the storm. It's like a story. There's a guy in the army. 
right? He was drafted in the army. Didn't want to be there. He was drafted. But while he was in the army, he developed this habit, and he would walk along the beach, going back and forth, and he'd pick up paper. He goes, that's not it. He'd walk around. That's not it. Every single day. Six months later, one of his, the officers seen him. And they go, this guy's still walking. That's not it. And he walk. Six months later after that, he's still doing it every single day. That's not it. Until finally they go, there's something wrong with this guy. We've got we to gotta call the psychiatrist. They took him in. They took him to be evaluated. And the doctor looked at him. He began to talk to him. And he tried to reason with them. And he agreed. And he'd come back out. That's not it. That's not it. So they sent him to the commander. And the commander said, okay, the psychiatrist said, we have to let you go. We're going to give you a medical discharge. And they handed him the medical discharge. He grabbed the paper. He goes, that's it. See, some people feign crazy. They just don't want to be committed. They just don't want any way to get out of this. How can I get out of this commitment to Christ? This is getting too heavy on me. Huh? They want a medical discharge. Uh, where are you at? Hello? See, to go to the trial, you've got to be committed because you're going to have to endure things. Paul, writing to his young soldier, says, you need to endure hardships. Like a good soldier, Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. You have to realize we're at war. People get enchanted with Victor Arridge and our commitment to our cause. But many have no endurance for the fight. Because what we're doing takes fight. You know, and I understand that's why it's a slow going, difficult. Because we need people who are willing to fight and can take a hit and can endure because we got to do something here. I want to change the community. I want to change people's life. I want to reach the world. I don't just want to play church. I need people that are committed, that can endure. That are so, you know, I want to do something for God. I don't want to just eat milk and become a milk blob. Huh? So when we approach the promised land of war, it must be rage. Commitment is tested in endurance. Needs to kick in. See, when you attack the giant of drug addiction, prostitution, violence in today's world, it's going to take fighters. It's going to take fighters, man. That's what we need. Not those still longing for mother's milk, but those who want solid food. So you have to pay attention to your endurance because endurance demands constant attention. He said we must endure hardships. No endurance, no commitment. So I call this the high school of endurance, not the hardships of mythology. Endurance. That's what we're called. So when you're committed and you say, God, teach me, then you move to this next level. Hebrews, in fact, Verse 12, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. See, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Paul, Samuel was taken by, to hand by Hannah 
who prayed to God, God, give me a son, and I'll, let, I'll, I'll turn him over to you. She prayed and prayed and got that, and then God answered that prayer, and he took that boy. Imagine for four years knowing that I'm going to have to get rid of him. I cannot keep him. So she trained him, and she dealt with him until he was, she, this boy was able to adapt to a stranger, Eli, the prophet of God. She bring him to a man and said, here, take him. In verse 26 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, it says this, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor, now listen, with the Lord and with men. See, anybody who's mature doesn't just have this deep relationship with God. They do. But they also have favor with people. Because that's what God, that's his plan. So if you think you have favor with God, I will know by your favor from men. That's, that's the proof in the pudding. That right there is solid food. I call that. So I just ended the message with a spiritual ribeye. No steak sauce, just salt and pepper. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.